0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on SolidServe Board Gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 31. Oh, Fortuna. Hello again. I am back with a new episode. I think this show is going to be shorter than the usual show. It's sort of an in-between show. The next episode should be a lot bigger, a lot more interesting, I think. I'm looking forward to that one. But this one, I am going to make it quick? I'm gonna give you some news. I'm gonna talk about tunnels and trolls. That's on Kickstarter now. Tell you a little bit about what little I know about it, and then I'm gonna review Shadows Over Camelot, the card game, published by Days of Wonder. So yeah, so like I said, I think it's gonna be quick. It's already midnight here, and I should be in bed about an hour ago. So I'm just gonna dive into everything. Uh, first up in the news, the the game Yggdrasil. I had mentioned it around the the last episode of the of last year around the christmas around Christmas time, and I had mentioned how I'd really enjoyed the game and even though I hadn't played it solitaire well after I recorded that episode before I posted, I got a trade offer for it, and I got that game, and I was looking on b g g and there turns out to be an expansion for it called Asgard, which unfortunately is not available in the u s so I contacted the publisher to see if they would ship it to the u s and it turns out that it's going to be available on the BGG store. They said possibly towards the end of January, and uh, BGG store announced that they're going to have some new releases coming up pretty soon. So maybe, maybe it's just around the corner. Next up, next up is Forbidden Desert, a sequel of some sort to Forbidden Island, which is by Matt Leacock. It's going to be released in Q2 by GameRight. Like Forbidden Island, the game comes in a tin. The goal of the game is similar with some, some differences, which I didn't really read into a whole lot. The biggest difference I notice is that it seems like the, uh, the new game comes in a square tin where the old, the older one, Forbidden Island, comes in a rectangular tin, so they don't even stack together. Next, the game Quester, published by Nestor Games, should be available soon. This is an abstract, 1-2-4 player cooperative dungeon crawling game, slash tiling game. Looks pretty neat. It's, it is very abstract, so the, the art is very simple. More news about Matt Leacock. The game pandemic has a new look. There's a, it was in the BGG News article, there's pictures of the new box. I don't like the look of it very much, at least the first glance I got of it. It should be available pretty soon, I think in February is what they said. The, it's new art, inside and out. And there's also going to be a new expansion that will come out later, I think later in the year. And it's going to add some new features like, um, I think, a separate board for somebody to play on and everything. I don't really have any more information than that, but if you, if you want to go look for it, go check a, the Pandemic thread and you'll at least see pictures. And the fifth item is the publisher Jack D'Elia is going to publish the game Peloponnese, which supports one player. It is by the same designer of PAX. Which also supports one player and is a uh, card drafting game. Every time I, I come across somebody talking about Peloponnese, it seems to be a really good game. Everybody's always talking good about it, so this should be pretty neat. Okay, that's it. Five items of news. So last episode, I mentioned that there is a Kickstarter project going on for the role playing game Tunnels and Trolls. I thought I'd talk a little bit more about it. Though honestly, I don't know a whole lot about it, but this is a role-playing game. It's a really old role-playing game. It is apparently the second role-playing game to reach market. This is in 1975. You know, it's vaguely similar to Dungeons and Dragons. It uses the same type of, a uh, like attributes, for example. Where you roll three six-sided dice and your attributes are something between three and eighteen, but there are some tweaks to that. The game does support Solitaire play in, th- in that there are a lot of solitaire scenarios available for it. Like, 30, 30 or more. Many by the, yep, many of them are by, th- by the publisher of Tunnels and Trolls, which is Flying Buffalo. But some independent ones also are available. So yeah, so they have a, a deluxe edition coming out and you could get it as a PDF or a paperback or a hardcover book depending on uh, what level you would want to back it. So it's very similar to Dungeon- Dungeons and Dragons in that you now you have basic abilities, and I think they're more or less the same six abilities. They range from three to eighteen, with some variances based based on race and things like that. Combat's very different. The, the game appeared well, from what I can tell, it's only uses six sided dice, so it's a bit easier. If you want to try out the game, I found a free to download introductory rule set with an introductory solitaire scenario. I found it an RPG now. You can download it for free. And it gives you the instructions on how to make a character. And then it has a solitaire scenario you could play through. The scenario is called Goblin Lake. And I went ahead and played through it twice more or less. It reminds me a lot of Choose Your Own Adventure. It's the same sort of style of thing where you read through a paragraph and then it gives you a choice. And you know, turn to page 27 if you want to do A. Turn to page 50 if you want to do B. And, and you go through that. Occasionally you have to roll dice for different things. For combat or luck rolls or different saving throws. So from what I can tell, when they, when they say that Tunnels and Trolls support Solitaire role I think they specifically are talking about this kind of adventure from what I've seen. I looked at a couple of the other adventures that are available in RPG now, and looks like there's about 20 to 30 of them there. And I think they're all the same sort of adventure. From what I've read, the Solitaire scenarios for Tunnels and Trolls sort of started by accident. Um, somebody went ahead and made one just for the fun of it, and I guess it got published, and people liked it so much, they said to do more, and, and, you know, they sold well, so Flying Buffalo kept publishing more and more of them. And so over the years, they did about 30 of these. The adventure that I mentioned I played, that Goblin Lake. Goblin Lake was published in 1979. It's been out of print for many years, apparently, and just re-released for this free, free demo version of Tunnels and Trails. The version that I downloaded is, a 16-page booklet. I think you have about one, two, about 6 or 8 pages of rules. It's the adventure it looks like it's another 6 pages or so. And then there's another 2 or 3 pages for a multiplayer adventure. So yeah, it's, um, I guess I'm not going to say much else about it. You know, if it sounds interesting, go check Kickstarter. The Kickstarter project will end on February 5th. By the time this podcast is available, you should have plenty of time to go look at it and decide if it's something you're interested in. So today's game is Shadows Over Camelot, the card game. It is designed by um, Serge Laggette, Leg- Serge Leggette, I don't know and Bruno Cathala. and I believe these are the same guys that published the original or designed the original Shadows over Camelot game. Now, Shadows Over Camelot is a cooperative game that has a, a secret trader in it and it, the secret traitor is in it in every single game every time you play, it, but there's always a possibility that there is one. So the trader will be on your side, but is actually working to make you lose. This card game has the same feature. So the game comes in a small box. It's about the same size as Space Hulk Death Angel. I really like this size of box. I think all games should be published in this size, really. Yeah, it might be hard to publish a, a big game like Twilight Imperium in this box, but, you know, it's worth trying. So what you get in this box is... You get the rules. It is a... 48 page rulebook but it comes in quite a few languages english french and german at least yeah it's 15 pages per language plus i don't know a couple pages here and there so you get the rules and then you get a couple sets of cards you get uh so you get the rules and you also get 16 swords on one side they're white on the other side they're black the goal of the game is to to get seven white swords if you get seven black swords you lose there are Seven loyal cards and two trader cards. So if you're playing with multiplayers, you're gonna hand these, you're gonna deal out the cards and one or two people may get trader cards. There's 62 square rumor cards and this is pretty much the heart of the game right here. And there's knight cards which are an expansion. I don't, I haven't played with those. I'm not sure if they actually work with a solitaire game or not. I haven't looked at it. And they actually come, you don't get nine cards, you get 27 cards because They come in each of the languages that the rules are published in. And then you get 10 quest tokens, which you do use. So these quest cards, you get the 62 cards. There's going to be 5 different suits. Basically, one is Dragon, one is Excalibur, one is the Grail, another is Saxons, and the last one is Picks. And besides that, there's also Merlin cards, and Morgan cards, and one Mordred, and one Vivian. The way the game plays is you basically just start drawing cards one at a time and playing them on top of the other card. Each of these suit cards that I mentioned, the first five suits, each each card has a value. It could be between two to five, or it could have a question mark on it. The question mark means that when you go to score the, the cards, for each question mark card in a suit, the cards can be worth the same as the number of question mark cards in that suit. So... So if at the end I have three dragon cards with question marks on it, each of those dragon cards is worth three points. The Morgan cards tend to to get in your way and make things harder, and the Merlin cards are supposed to be helpful, but honestly they also just get in the way. Uh, Honestly, I think every card in the deck kind of gets in the way of this game. But um, the idea is you're going to go on a quest and then an adventure, but you only want to do that when the total value of of one of the suits is between 11 and 13. If you go too soon, you're gonna get, you're gonna get bad negative points. If you go too late, you're gonna get negative points. So what you're doing is you're playing is you're drawing cards and playing them on the table one at a time. Each card goes over the other one, so you don't even see what was there before. You have to remember what was there before. And in your head, you're trying to add up the points, and once you think the, one of the suits is between 11, 12, or 13 total, you stop and say, you know, say you're going on a quest, and then go ahead and put out, break out of the cards by suit, add up all the points, and if you're right, you get some white swords. If you're wrong, you get some black swords. So, this game is basically a memory game. You're playing the cards on top of each other so you don't see the old cards anymore, and you really can't go back and look through the deck. You're not supposed to. So, you have to remember what cards you've already played, and since there's multiple suits and each of the cards can have a different value, pretty quickly you start getting confused. Then on top of that, you throw the Morgan and Merlin cards. Like, for example, some of the Merlin cards tell you discard the highest Dragons and uh Grail cards. So you're going to have to discard one f- the highest single card from each of those. So now you, you may have in your head what the, hi- the value was of each, but now you know you got to discard one. Morgan cards have similar effects. They, for example, might add a point to each card or... Morgan can be treated as a question mark for each suit or whatever. As you play the game, you're going to keep going in rounds. You just keep drawing cards until you choose to go on the quest. Score the quest and get some number of swords. You're going to keep playing until you have either 7 white swords or 7 black swords. If you get 7 white, you win. If you get 7 black swords, you lose. This is basically a very mathy memory game. If you don't like math... In your games, you're not gonna like this. If you don't like memory in your games, you're not gonna like this. If you do like our, both of them, it's not too bad. It's, you know, it's kinda simple, but it's kinda fun, and it plays pretty quick. I don't know if the game is worth it just for that solitaire play. Uh, unfortunately for the multiplayer game, I think, you know, it has the same issue. If the people playing aren't really into the math or the memory, it's the game's probably not gonna go over so well, so. I think this game could be pretty hit or miss. The art's nice, but it's pretty basic. I think a single game lasts about 10 to 15 minutes, probably. So depending on how well you're doing. And you can adjust the difficulty for ex- based on how many Mordred cards you play. When you play the game normally, I think the deck brings 8 Mordred cards, or 9. You will shuffle them up and then discard 3 of them. And you stick the rest into the deck of cards that you're playing with. <laughs> I should also, again, mention how the scoring works. Once you decide to go on a quest, you're going to break all the cards out by suit, and then you're going to score the suit you decide to quest for. If that one is between 11 and 13, you'll get a number of white swords equal to the number of swords displayed on that suit. For example, all the, the dragons are worth two swords. The Saxons and picks are worth one sword each. And the... The Grail is worth three and Excalibur is worth two. So if you guessed two if you decide to go on the quest but you hadn't reached eleven yet, then you're gonna get one black sword. If you go on a quest but you have passed thirteen, then you're gonna get black swords equal to the value of that suit. Then you're also gonna score all the other suits that the ones you chose not to go on the quest for. If any of them exceed fourteen or I'm sorry ex- exceed thirteen, then you're gonna get negative swords for those also, so as you're playing, you're basically drawing cards and trying to count and once you think you're some in one of the suits between eleven and thirteen, you stop and check. I find that when I'm playing sometimes you know if I get lucky, it's pretty easy and I know exactly where I'm at sometimes it's hard and I know oh I'm kind of near it, but I don't remember exactly where and I'm just going to go ahead and stop now before it gets my tire, and hopefully, you know, I'm right, but probably I'm low, and that's okay. So, yeah, that's Shadows Over Camelot the card game. It's an okay little game, especially if you do like math and memory. If you're not fond of those, I'd say be a little more wary about this game. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert.com at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.